And in addition to what Zach talked about uh, at Easter, we also opened up our kids area. And uh, if you were around or if you have kids, it was so fun to see them so excited, you know, as they walked into a new environment, as they kind of experienced, because our hope, the why behind the what, is that every new family, every family that comes in would recognize immediately that this church and Jesus loves kids. And so we want to be that kind of church that welcomes kids in the same way that Jesus welcomed them as well. Uh, to help offset the payment for it, here's our opportunity. So two weeks from today, uh, we are taking a special offering called Pave the Way on Mother's Day weekend that is going to go for that. But there's three other projects that have yet to be done that will help offset the money that's already been raised for these projects. The first is an indoor kids playground. So we're hoping to have an indoor kids playground uh, because, you know, our summers last about two months out of the year. And uh, we'd like to have a place where kids in our community can come and connect and moms can meet and be able to have their kids play in a safe, fun environment. And there's not really many things like that around in this area. Second thing we're going to be doing is we're going to be expanding our lobby by about 4,000 square feet. So to be able, if you've been here at 930, you know, it's kind of like herding cattle in and out. We actually would like to create some space and opportunity for people to relationally connect with God and with one another. And then lastly, uh, a road that's going to be going out from here out to Henry. And so as you can see, there's a lot of building that's taking place and, and opportunities to, for people to come in and out of our property. And so uh, just be praying, a couple final things done you know, on that. So all of that, we're trying to get done by the end of the year, the first two especially. And so uh, it's going to require resources. And so what an opportunity we have to pave the way, literally and figuratively, for other people who will be coming and experiencing Jesus. And so I'm asking you, just like our family, to pray about what has God put on your heart to give every single dollar, like what we do on Christmas Eve, will go towards this initiative on that weekend. And you can give now and be able to do that if that's something that you've already done. That's what my wife and I already have already done. You can do that now or you can do that on that weekend as well. So again, want to welcome you or welcome you back, you know, from this past, you know, weekend to our series uh, that I've heard a lot of anticipation about called The Purpose of Pain. The purpose of pain. And we're going to do a deep dive into what is the biblical understanding uh, and reason behind pain. So we're not going to just do one week and then be done with it. Four weeks. The reason I say that is because there is a lot that I'm not going to get to today. Uh, and so we're going to take it step by step. That's why I want to encourage you to kind of tune in every single week as there's going to be an aspect or maybe something that you're going through that you haven't heard an answer to, or at least a direction or path toward. So I want to encourage you to be a part of this. Now, with that being said, you may have heard, or you may believe this statement that people hate pain, that people hate pain. It's just not true. People hate pain without a purpose. People hate pain without a purpose. See, if something bad happens, a, a car wreck, a, a spouse cheats, a, you lose a job, you battle cancer, the question is why? We would say why, you know, why God or why is this happening to me? You know, what did I do? And so we can, we can tolerate things. We can go through things a lot easier if we understand the reason why. But if you understand the reason why, the purpose, then pain is much easier not only to tolerate but to get through. Let me give you a couple of examples. Uh, I did a 70.3 half marathon you know, uh, a couple years ago. Yep, I'm an idiot. You know, but and halfway through it, I'm all thinking, I'm an idiot. Why am I doing this? Why this is painful? This is not a fun experience. I don't know why people want to put themselves through pain until 
you actually get close to the finish line. And then you cross the finish line and the purpose of the pain becomes really clear. And you have this euphoric excitement and reason. You're like, I did it. I accomplished something. So you go through pain and pain has a purpose. Then it's easier to tolerate the pain. Does that make sense? Uh, let me give you another example. Uh, have you ever been a, on a sports team or in an office environment that's just not pleasant? It's painful. But then you start finding yourself in success. You start finding yourself you know, uh, making money. You find yourself on a winning team. And you're like, all that pain, it had a purpose and it made the pain worth it. Uh, one more example, um, moms, childbirth, right? Nothing exciting. I mean, I'm just watching my wife twice go through the agony of pain and no epidural is going to help with the agony of the pain at different times, whether it be a few hours or a couple days or longer of the pain. But when the child comes out, the pain turns to euphoria. It turns to excitement. It turns to happiness. See, there's purpose behind the pain. And when you have the purpose in mind, it helps us to get through the pain. So today, though, we need to back up and we need to start with why. So before we get to the purpose, if we can understand the why behind pain, it'll actually help us to be able to avoid some future pain if we'll just be honest with ourselves. So we're going to answer this question. Why do we go through pain and suffering? What's the why? I'm going to give you three primary reasons. And the first one, uh, I just want to be real. I want to be honest because the main reason for much of our pain that we go through in life is this. I'm an idiot. And so are you. That's it. You're welcome. Let's pray. You know, that's what, what is there to go through anymore? Uh, you know, because the, the reason is the vast majority of the pain that you and I suffer is because we made dumb decisions. And we can look back at those dumb decisions and be like, ouch, the reason I am suffering spiritually, emotionally, and physically is because I made poor choices. And because of my poor choices, I am suffering the consequences of my poor choices. It's nobody else's issue. It's me. I am the reason and I am the cause for my pain. If I'm going to make better choices, wiser choices, or more godly choices, guess what? The pain in the future will actually dissipate if I were to recognize how much of the pain I'm experiencing by just me being an idiot. Now, we need to back up further just for a second and say, you know, understand this, that God, in his great love, didn't want to create us as robots. He didn't want to make us love him. He didn't want to make us worship him. And so he gave us, as humanity, a choice, something called free will back in the Garden of Eden. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be mostly in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3. In verse 15, it says, The Lord placed man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat this fruit, you are sure to die. Now he's talking about a physical death that will actually enter. Man will have a lifespan, but he's also talking about a spiritual death, the spiritual disconnection from the relationship with God. Okay, so here's what God's doing. Choice. I'm not gonna make you do this, but I'm going to tell you right now that if you choose to do what I say, you're gonna get to live in paradise. If you choose to do what I tell you not to do, you're going to suffer 
pain. There's going to be consequences. Not God's fault. Your fault. I'm telling you ahead of time. Have you ever done that with your kids? I'm telling you ahead of time. If you do this, it's going to lead to this. If you don't do this, then it's going to lead to this. So you and I have done that, not just with kids, but with friends, family, and all that kind of stuff. So you know the story, uh, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not this morning, you've probably heard the story of Adam and Eve and the serpent comes and tempts them with this forbidden fruit. And we don't know if it's an apple or not. It doesn't say, it just says forbidden tree. And there is the serpent that's tempting Eve. Eve takes a bite, hands it to Adam. Adam takes a bite. And then we come into verse 11 of chapter three. The Lord God, he's walking into the garden, asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? <laughs> I love that question. Now, is God asking because he doesn't know? He knows. Ever done that? You know, where you're asking someone, hoping to spare them extra pain if they would just honestly admit what they have done. Uh, this happens, you know, in our household time to time. I remember my kid, you know, Josiah is five years old and it's Halloween time. And, and uh, we told him, he said, this is how much candy you can eat. You can't eat this much. Well, one day I came home and I see this little wrapper and then another wrapper and then another wrapper. And it leads to where Josiah is sitting and watching television to which I walk into the room and I see his hands scramble really fast and put something up under his rear end. And so I walk over to him. I know the answer. Did you eat candy? No, daddy. I'm like, oh, now you're really going to get it. You know, <laughs> the wrath of Dan is coming upon you. If it would be far less painful, if you would just be honest with what I already know. And so here's their response. Instead of owning it, instead of saying, my bad, let's start with Adam. Verse 12, the man replied, not my fault. It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. <laughs> and men have been blaming women ever since. So he says, and this is, this is my favorite part of Adam. Not my fault, it's her fault. And it's not only her fault, but God, it's actually your fault because you're the one who gave her to me. So he's not only blaming her, he's blaming God for creating her because if God hadn't created her, then he wouldn't be in this mess. And that's the way that we operate today, isn't it? And so, you know, this is the idea. So now we're looking around, why am I suffering pain? Well, it's because it's their fault or it's God's fault instead of just saying, you know what? I'm an idiot and I need to take ownership in a, in a, in a culture that loves to play the victim of the decisions in which I find myself suffering the consequences. Then he goes to the woman and says, well, what have you done? So obviously she owns it. Nope. She says it's the serpent who deceived me, that's why I ate it. So even indirectly, it's the serpent's fault. And God, obviously you created the serpent, so it's your fault also. So they're looking at God. Why are we suffering this pain? God, you did this to us. Instead of from the beginning saying, my fault, my choice, my consequence. See, it's not just Adam and Eve, is it? We all have a tendency to blame others for our poor choices. We do this on a regular basis. Uh, every time I'm doing counseling, you know, with someone, nope, it, it's never a counseling opportunity to own, for people to own their own mistakes. It always starts out, always, 100%. This marriage would work if you would just do what you're supposed to do. And the other person would be like, well, if I did my, you need to, that's always how it starts. And then you try to find common ground, people to own their part, even if it's more of a percent on somebody else. But if we believe that the other person has a little bit more than we do, we like to point the finger, don't we? Uh, think about other areas of, of our lives. Well, the only reason I got fired is because my boss 
didn't recognize my talent you know, here. That's the reason that I got fired. Or, or I, I would have more work-life balance if I wasn't so stressed out with what you gave me to do. My lack of boundaries is because of you. I'd be a better parent if you were a better kid. Wouldn't that be nice, you know, to be able, be able to do that? I would grow more in my faith if you were a better life group leader or a better pastor. I would not be in this financial situation if my company would have just paid me more or my spouse would have spent less. Well, actually, that one might be true. Um, <laughs> this is one of my favorite. I, I would not have engaged in pornography or cheated on you if you had been more attentive to my physical needs in the relationship, Right? It's your fault. It's not my fault. You know, uh, see, we're on our way to healing and wholeness if we can just admit and stop and recognize that you and I are experiencing real consequences for our real choices. That's what we're doing. We're experiencing real consequences. Think about it for just a second. How much of the pain, if you were to pause for five minutes, over the last week, last month, last six months, is directly associated to your decisions. Because if we can own this, this is, this is the secret. I mean, you need to understand this. If we can own this, then we can learn from it, thus making different decisions that'll affect us in the future, causing us less pain. That's the secret. But we don't learn the lessons because that's not our fault. It's somebody else's. And we don't want to own our part. And so I'm just going to encourage you for your sake and for you to receive less pain in the future to own your part. Galatians chapter six says this, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. You reap what you sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest, this is the pain that's gonna come, decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest your output, your, 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 your future, everlasting life from the spirit. Our choices our free will has good and painful consequences. So what does God do back in the garden? He curses the serpent, said, hey, there's going to be real consequences. Then he says to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy and in your pain you will give birth and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. That's not fair, God. Why are you causing me pain? No, Eve. You chose to do what I told you not to do, and I even told you the consequence of what would happen so you can't look at me and say, just because I followed through with my word, now you're blaming me? Don't we have a tendency to do that? How about to Adam? He says, uh, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All of your life you will struggle to scratch for a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you. Though you will eat of its grain by the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust and to dust you will return. And then they both get kicked out of the garden as a consequence for their choice. So think about it in your life. Think about the painful consequences of your choices. See, instead of blaming the teacher for your bad grades, can you be honest that maybe you didn't study? Maybe you didn't put the time in, and maybe it's a result of you not doing what you need to do. Maybe you find yourself in a fight with a friend. Could there be some ownership on your part that say, you know what, I actually have a part to play in the fight in which we're having right now. Uh, you might find yourself you know, in a bad dating relationship. 
you know, could it be that you actually were warned ahead of time and you didn't listen and that maybe God said, hey, don't get involved unequally with somebody else who's also not a committed follower of Jesus. And you find yourself going, why isn't this working? And other people around you are like, we told you it wasn't going to work. The best way is to own that. You might find yourself in a bad marriage and you might say, well, you know what? What part do I need to own in this bad marriage? Meaning, what am I doing that's contributing to this? Or what am I not doing that I should probably start doing that would help enhance this? What about a bad financial situation? You know, can you admit that maybe some of the reason you're in a bad financial situation is you spend more than actually what comes in? Let's say you actually made some poor financial choices that find yourself in the situation that you're in. These are all levels of painful consequences of the choices that you and I make. If we can own it, we'll learn from it, and we'll make better decisions that will cause us less pain in the future. So I need to ask this question that I was asking myself all week. What is a decision, or what are some decisions, that you're making today that will have painful consequences tomorrow, or next week, or next month, or next year? What are some of those things? Most often, where we get hung up is we settle for temporary Fulfillment, happiness, you know, the experiential joy instead of long-term thinking about what this leads to. So we settle. We're like, ooh, if I make this decision, I'm going to get this quickly and I'm going to feel better in the short run. But if I were to pause, I'm going to be like, yeah, in the short run, I feel better. But a week from now, I'm going to feel awful. I'm actually going to find myself in more pain than I would be if I actually recognized what are those consequences. So again, why pain? Why am I experiencing pain in my life? Because I'm an idiot, and so are you. And we experience the consequences of those things. Let's learn from them, thus move forward with less pain moving on. I don't know if you've been around people. They're like, man, there always seems to be drama around this person. There always seems to be a lot of pain that happens in this person's life. And if you trace it, you're like, ooh, a good percentage of that pain is because they're not learning from the mistakes they keep making over and over and over, which is why we need one another. Okay, so that's number one. Second reason why you and I are suffering pain is because we are suffering the consequences of other people's decisions, right? It has nothing to do with us, but we are a byproduct of this free will, of this free choice. In Romans chapter five, verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, there's consequence beyond Adam. Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. I think the, one of the easiest and earliest learning lessons I had of this was on a sports team in fifth grade. Sports team in fifth grade, I was doing everything the coach asked me to do. I was doing it right. I was doing it when he asked me to do it. But I was still running laps because so-and-so was coming late to practice. And when he blew the whistle, he always jumped off sides. And I'm like, no fair why am I having to run, having to suffer pain, and I actually did everything good, but this person didn't? Why am I suffering the consequence? And all of a sudden, a life lesson was learned. There are things that other people are going to do. They're going to have direct consequence on my life, even if what I'm doing is actually okay and not producing pain. Hopefully that, that makes sense. Have you ever invested resources you know, with someone who took advantage of you and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm just suffering the pain of their decision. Now, before we look at others, let's just stop again. How many of my decisions have led to other people's pain? Right? How many of my decisions have hurt other people? 
See, in Judges chapter 17, verse 6 says, In those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That is where our culture is going, people. When everyone does right in their own lives and lives by how we feel, the product of a godless person, family, or culture is what takes place. And guess what? Then we all get to suffer pain. Think about the last two years. Did anybody make a decision that caused you pain in any way, shape, or form over the last couple of years? How about racism? Right? If you've ever been on one side or the other, or maybe you grew up in a family where your parents got a divorce, you did nothing, but you know what that did to you. And for whatever reason it happened, it might even been for the right reasons, you know, it still affected you as a child. Uh, maybe your friend or you got hit by a distracted driver or a drunk driver. Their choices hurt you. Or think about what's happening in Ukraine right now with the choice of Putin. His choices is affecting thousands, if not millions, of people. What about when you or someone you know was emotionally or sexually abused? Painful, awful choices by other people. Or one of the worst, in addition to that, is when someone chooses to commit suicide. Right? They have moved on, and who's left? The people who are suffering such pain and agony because of somebody else's choices. So why do we go through pain? Because of our choices, but we also suffer pain. And that's a harder one when we've done nothing wrong except to exist or be in relationship around other people and those people are causing us pain. Now, again, before we start getting angry at them, realize again, how many of my choices is affecting other people and does that have a ripple effect as well? So why am I going through pain? Those are the first two reasons. The third reason is there's ongoing consequence for sin in the world. There's just ongoing consequence for sin in general. Verse 17 again of Genesis chapter 3. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you'll eat the plants of the field. We live in what's called a broken world. Disease, famine, earthquake, hurricanes, mental and emotional anxiety and depression in our bodies that can continually frail and continue to go through things. All byproducts of a sinful, broken world, and you and I are suffering the consequences. Let me say it this way. Every painful experience that you and I have will be or is tied directly or indirectly to sin. It goes all the way back to the beginning, whether it's the consequence of our world, consequence of the choices that we're making in society, you know, or even the decisions of other people. So why pain? Again, because I'm an idiot and so are you. We're suffering the consequences, number two, of other people, and there is a broken world and we're suffering in those consequences. All right, let's pray on that. That would suck if we just ended the sermon there. You know, you just kind of walk out. You're like, man, that's depressing. There has to be good news. We have to end with some good news and some hope in the midst of this. So every week we're going to hit this, but we're going to always say, all right, here's what we can learn from. Here's the purposes and here's the good news. God can work for the good no matter the reason for our pain. That's why we encourage you to connect with Jesus. That's why we encourage you to stay involved with him and other people because he will always work for the good. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that God causes everything not just some things, everything to work together for the good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. No matter what pain you go through, God can use it, grow it, challenge either you or somebody else. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, it was a life learning lesson for me. 
Um, uh, I, I know the figure that stands before you now does not look like an athlete, but in high school, you know, uh, I was fairly athletic, trying to get a Division I scholarship, you know, in football or basketball, and on my way, I could actually dunk two hands. It wasn't hard for me, all that stuff. Playing football my junior year, and I go out for a pass on a five-yard out route. My right foot gets caught in this pothole, this terrible field, and I rip my ankle, just completely the tendons, ligaments, all that kind of stuff. Has never been able to jump the same again. So I'm going, and I grew up, my, pa- my dad's a pastor. So I said, Dad, where is God in all this? Right? He created me, and I thought I was supposed to go on this trajectory. And he's like, you just have to trust that God's going to work for the good, no matter whether you caused it, somebody else caused it. I said, just you got to trust that over time. And you know what's interesting? Perspective based on time. Those of you who lived, lived a little longer, you can kind of look back and see how God has worked. And so let me just give you just a quick update on that. If I didn't rip my ankle, I wouldn't have gone to Pacific Christian College in Southern California. If I didn't go there, I wouldn't have worked in East L.A. in youth ministry, which was hard and painful. If I didn't work in East L.A., I wouldn't have been looking for a translator at my college to help in the ministry, to which I found this wonderful person named Carolina, who ended up becoming my wife. If I didn't meet Carolina, then we would not have ended up in Sacramento at a ministry up there. If I didn't go have that ministry experience, to Sacramento, then I wouldn't have gone to Phoenix to plant a church. If I didn't have such a hard time in Phoenix, I wouldn't have ended up in Post Falls and eventually ended up here. You never know how God is going to change the trajectory of your life until you actually live life, still focused on him, and look back and see the good that he's done. But it's hard in the midst of, isn't it? And that's, that's, I've had other experiences of pain we'll talk about in the, in the future. And many of you have had far worse than what I've had as well. But here's what we do know. In the midst of the pain, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. I know that when we go through bad things and hard things, we always think this is never going to end. The cloud is so thick, it's hard to see beyond, you know, whatever you're going through and whatever you might be experiencing. But eventually it will pass. The reason it's important to hold on to that, the reason it's good news is because if you know that one day, even on the other side of eternity, that'll pass, it gives you strength to get through it today. And there are some pains that will never heal fully on this side of eternity. But one day, it will. In Revelation chapter 21, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I, Jesus, am making everything new. That's the hope into eternity. That's the point when we go through it, that there might be seasons that we're gonna get through on this side, but there'll eventually be a season we'll get through on the other side. The key is when things are bad, when things are hard, when things are painful, can we stay focused on Jesus? Can we stay focused on Jesus? One of my favorite passages of the Bible that relate to this is in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down especially the sin that so easily trips us up. In other words, he's saying, here's your part. You can make choices today that will lead to less pain tomorrow. But can you make the choices that you think are making you temporarily happy that are actually causing death and destruction? He says, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set up before us. We do this by, here's how we do it, keeping 
our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Notice what Jesus went through. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in a place of honor besides God's throne. Think of all the hostility that Jesus endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. It gives purpose in the midst of it all. See, maybe you're new to Christianity. I want to remind you of something, those of you who've been familiar with it for a long time, and maybe, again, you came back after Easter. What Christianity has to offer in a response to the shattering events, remember the whole illustration we used last week with the pot and the shattering of that, isn't a philosophical or formulaic answer. But what Christianity offers is a savior on a cross. You see, Jesus relates to our pain. And that's somebody that we can walk and journey with on this side and into the next. Isaiah 53 verse 3 says, Jesus was despised and rejected. Notice this, a man of sorrows acquainted with the deepest of grief. See, the God of the Christian faith is not just sympathetic, He's empathetic, which is way different. In fact, uh, one of my favorite theologians of the 20th century is John Stott. John Stott had to say this about Christianity. He says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In a real world of pain, how could one worship a God who seemed to be immune from it? Jesus empathized with us. See, for Christians, the agony of the cross is what gives way to the glory of the resurrection. That's what we celebrate. And with the resurrection comes redemption, shattered lives that are made whole and promises that all things are made new again. And as we close, as we stop for just a second, I want you to process this week, where is a lot of your pain coming from? Can you figure out where it's coming from? Number one, is it coming from you? It's not God's fault. It's not somebody else's fault. But a lot of the pain that you're experiencing is your choices and the consequences of those choices. Number two, is it coming from others that you're suffering some of the consequences of other people's decisions? Or number three, are you suffering just to being in a broken world and knowing that that's what you and I are going through, going through that we have hope that God is the God who will work for the good, that God is the God who relates to our pain and suffering that God is a God who will take this journey and take the broken pieces of our lives and make them learning lessons and whole in this side or for sure in the next when we celebrate with him for all eternity. So as we close, can you surrender your pain, your currently, wherever it's coming from, can you surrender that pain to Jesus? For some of you, that means actually coming to Jesus. For others of you, it's reaffirming to Jesus, and it can be hard. It says, cast all your anxiety, all your pain, all your struggle upon him because he cares for you. Because we serve a God who relates with our deepest pains, not because of something he said from a far off place, because he walked this journey with us. That's a God that I want to serve for the rest of my life. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to proclaim who you are. And I pray, Father, if there's anybody here who has not yet received you, that now would be the moment, now would be the opportunity to say, God, I admit so much of my pain is because of me, and I want to receive you as my Savior and Lord. Father, I pray for everybody else who's in this room that we would just first just be honest, recognizing where our pain is coming from and decisions we're making now 
that's going to have and bear fruit either in joy or in sorrow. Father, I pray we would also just uh, continue to go on this journey of what it looks like to experience the purpose and reason behind pain. We give this to you now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.